0: want to keep pounding for the 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 ones who want an inside look at the vault. this is this 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 is views is from Midstream. now here's your host Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown It is a beautiful Friday ladies and gentlemen because courtesy of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens this Sunday's matchup Carolina on the road at Atlanta is for control of the nfc south welcome ladies and gentlemen to the friday edition of the views from mint street podcast courtesy of odyssey and of course my name is rob brown host of the award winning rob brown show in greenville south carolina right in the heart of panthers country joining me as he does every single week, my co-host, my partner in crime, the great one, Lonzo Reitzel here as well. And yes, folks, we are underdogs in this matchup. And no, folks, I don't care. I want the win. I want the divisional lead. Great to have you guys as we break down Carolina at Atlanta this Sunday, 1 p.m. at Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, and, you know, we, we've we said it a number of times and we'll say it again. So what a week we went from a fired head coach, a traded wide receiver, a traded star of the franchise. And just how hard are we hitting the tank button to Hey, if we win Sunday, we lead the freaking division.
1: All right, so I'm going to drop some 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 wrestling lingo on here, and I know the majority of you people listening to this podcast are also wrestling fans because Woo! absolutely, we about to be the ones, they about to be the twos. It is weird that Carolina could win Sunday and be leading the NFC South. It's weird, but it's also a possibility.
0: Uh, It is absolutely a possibility. As mentioned, Vegas does not believe that that is the reality. We are four-point underdogs on the road against Marcus Mariota and his Falcons. So, let's get into that game just a little bit throughout the pod. And we will. Before, though, you and I had a discussion on the show today earlier today, the Rob Brown show, which you can listen to the podcasted version if you'd like to by going to the fanupstate.com We were talking about the performance of one PJ Walker last week and a win over Tampa Bay. Now we saw Tampa Bay lose last night in a close one to Baltimore. Tom Brady on a three game losing streak. One of those games, of course, was at the bank. It is the first three-game losing streak for Tom Brady since 2002. A point in time when Lamar Jackson was five years old. A point in time where one Rob Brown was a junior in high school. The question is this. If P.J. Walker had a bit of a reemergence, and again, i, I can, we not,
1: pause, can we pause this a second? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's unfortunate Tom Brady's off the field stuff. I'm not laughing at that, but I is on the field. I got to take every opportunity I can to, to to laugh at that and those invisible violins that are playing in the air. As I heard you say, he lost three games in a row
0: for the first time since I was a junior in high school. Has Tom Brady lost three games in a row? Uh, For the record, I know that the overwhelming majority of you uh, don't know me personally. I'm old. All right. I'm 37 years old. Uh, I was a junior in high school the last time it happened. P.J. Walker in that game had himself a day. But hey, it, it wasn't necessarily the most impressive day that that any quarterbacks had against the Buccaneers. It is not sending P.J. Walker to the Pro Bowl. Sixteen of twenty-two, a buck seventy-seven and two touchdowns, but. For PJ Walker, it was certainly a day. And my question that we asked on the show, and I'll ask it here on the pod, and we'll give you our answers, but certainly we want y'all's answer as well. Hit us on the social media on Twitter at The Rob Brown Show or at Lonzo on Word. You can also search and subscribe to The Rob Brown Show and The Fan Upstate on Facebook as well and give us your answer. If PJ Walker was able to have a bit of a resurgence in the early days of the post-mat rule era in carolina is it possible that baker mayfield could do the same thing is it possible that sam Darnold could do the same thing and, and and i think and i do think it's been fair but lonzo and myself and a lot of y'all have placed a lot of the blame for the deadweight offense of the first 7 weeks of the season On Ben McAdoo. And I get it. He's the play caller. He's the guy with the clipboard. Telling us what to do. I understand that. But. Matt Rule Leafs. PJ Walker has an okay day at LA. He turns around. He comes home. He puts up a pair of passing touchdowns. Makes DJ Moore. Finally look like DJ Moore. With seven grabs for 69. Nice and a touch as well. My question is. Is this. Is it possible. That some of the struggles offensively were that much on Matt Rule and if that is the case could we see an emergence of Baker Mayfield a return to form of Baker that we saw in Cleveland. Well, I know a lot of people have said when Baker was at Cleveland he he played behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. He played with an outstanding set of wide receivers. Well, I got news for you. Carolina has quietly built one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League and with DJ TMJ and the rest of the gang have a good enough wide receiver core. He's now set up in Carolina in a way that he was very similarly set up in Cleveland with Matt Gone, with the resurgence of PJ Walker. When, and if PJ does not perform and we go to the bench, could Baker step in and be the Baker Mayfield that we thought he was going to be that we wanted him to be without Matt Rule hamstringing the offense, if that is what was happening.
1: I think um, if if you've lived for any period of time, you probably worked.
0: I have. I've lived for multiple periods <laughs> of and, time,
1: and I've lived for more periods than you. If you <laughs> if you have worked for a period of time, you have probably worked under a boss who. Was slightly oppressive, and, and he, he brought you down to a degree. He didn't see your creativity. He didn't allow you to do the things that you do well. He wanted you to do, th- do things his way, even though it may bring down productivity. It's more about his way than it is uh, the best thing for the business or the team, if you will. Perhaps... We're seeing that situation with Matt Rule. Maybe uh, he has brought everybody down to a point that if P.J. Walker can excel, then why not Baker? I I don't see any reason why he could not. And do we hope for that situation, though? Or do we hope that P.J. Walker goes out there Sunday and tears it up again, and there's no thought at all about bringing anyone from the bench, no matter who they are, back there? I, I think... I think that's the scenario you got to root for, but if something were to happen and PJ gets taken out of the game and Baker goes in, I think we're going to see a different Baker. I think we're going to see a Baker who is free from the rule of rule.
0: The rule of rule, I like it. I like it. I, uh, you know, I've had that boss, that boss that you were just uh, that hypothetical boss you were just talking about. I've had that boss. I worked for a radio station in Florida a number of years ago who uh, that at the time we had a host who was doing a not just college football only show, but a SEC only college football show. Right. You only talked about these 12 teams. It's 14 now. I know. But at the time, uh, those those latest two schools hadn't joined. You had 12 teams to talk about. And whenever that guy was out, they would call me up off of the bench to go fill in. And when I would fill in, I would talk about other stuff. And we got a good response. And then eventually I got my own show. And when I got my own show, uh, it was a night show from 9 p.m. to midnight. I was at the highlight of my popularity, obviously. When I got that show, it was an all-sports show as the Rob Brown show is now. And I did really well with that show. In fact, the numbers on my show were almost the same as the guy in the drive-time afternoon slot, which in radio is the crown jewel, right? So... Uh, eventually the host of the afternoon show went to jail and they moved me into that slot really as a stopgap at the time. But when I took over that slot, because they did not have anybody else nor the financial ability to hire anybody else, I said, I will do that show, but I want to do my show. I do not want to do his show where it's only SEC football. I want to do my show. And they really didn't have a choice. So I did my show. And when you know it, the numbers grew for that show. The numbers grew dramatically for that show and in that time slot. And after three or four months where the numbers were very evidently growing in that show, the boss comes to me and he's like, listen, it's not what we do. We do college football here. I want you to go back to college football. No NFL, no NBA, no MLB. I want you to do college football. And wouldn't you know it, the numbers went right back down? He basically made the radio station as a whole suffer to appease two or three clients who only wanted to advertise on a college football show. It was massively detrimental. Well, eventually that guy stepped aside for his own reasons, but he stepped aside. The new uh, guy that stepped in was like Rob Brown. Do your show, and wouldn't you know what? the numbers came back up. Right? No, I'm 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 not claiming to be a great radio show host. I am saying that when that guy got you, out of you, my you, way, you have won awards and things, that's true. I mean, saying, I am one. I'm yeah, just not okay. claiming all that. Right? right, right. All right. Uh, <laughs> when that guy stepped out of the way. And let us do our thing, all of a sudden we started winning again, right? Well, we got all the reports out over the last couple of weeks that Matt Rule's philosophy in Carolina was effectively beat everybody into submission, right? I am just going to keep frustrating you until eventually you go, you know what, screw this, I'm out. Well, here's the reality about that type of management it will work eventually people will say, screw it. I'm not, it's not worth fighting anymore. Right. And they will lay down and they'll just do whatever you want, but it does not mean that you're going to find success. It just means you're going to have a lot of beaten down employees that don't really give a damn anymore, that don't care anymore. They're just there to go through the motions. And if that is indeed what the case was with Matt rule, then it would make sense that now that he's out of the way, now you've got Steve Wilkes, who is letting the guys be the guys. It would make sense that the team looks better again Let's not pretend we're anything other than a 2 and 5 football team, right? Let's not start talking about the Super Bowl just yet. We are 2 and 5, and this game this weekend is for the divisional uh, divisional lead at 3 and 5 with a tiebreaker making the difference, which is great. I'll still take it. It's not what any of us expected, but we'd still be a 3 and 5 football team. We need to win two more in a row to get to 500. But the team last week looked a little more loose. It looked a little more comfortable with what they were doing. We saw the playbook opened up a little bit. We also saw them run the football the way that Lonzo has been screaming into a microphone for them to do for a number of months on this podcast as well. Matt Rule gets out of the way. Guys get to do what they do and do it the way that they do it. And all of a sudden, not only are we knocking off Tom Brady, again, a Buccaneers team that's three and five, but a win nonetheless. But now we got a chance for the divisional lead. If that is what happened to P.J. Walker, if that is what happened to the offense, Zoe, there is a chunk of me that is optimistic that a return to Baker Mayfield on the field, if we hit a spot where P.J. can't get it done and we turn back to Baker, there's a part of me that wonders, okay, if that is the case for the offense, if that's the case for P.J., maybe we get that Baker that we wanted when we made that move for him, and my fingers, toes, and all available appendages are crossed for just that. All
1: right, so if... If keeping P.J. Walker is the only way to win games the rest of the year, I'm down with that. Um, if Baker could do the same, the, the the question is, who's the more talented quarterback? Who's the better quarterback? I think you've got to go with Baker Mayfield as far as that goes. But I also, I don't really blame Steve Wilkes for sticking with P.J. Walker. Um Plus, you can use the excuse that Baker's still coming off of, uh, of an injury. Same with Sam Darnold, who was taking forever to get back from that injury. You know, I don't know if you noticed that. A, Dude, those,
0: those ankle sprains are no joke.
1: They they are, they uh, are no joke. I, I know. And I, it's,
0: it's, it's one of those injuries. Again, I'm not a doctor, nor did I stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night, but I've had bad ankles from basketball my entire life. It's one of those things that you can feel like you're 100%, and then you step off a stair the wrong way, and it sets you back three weeks.
1: You also save yourself some headaches by... Uh, waiting until someone's 100%. I'm, a I'm just 100%, saying, 100%, absolutely. You, you, you do that and you, you're you erring on the side of oh, we're just trying to take care of the player the person, but it also solves you some headaches. Because if P.J. Walker were to struggle this week, there's going to be, well th- they're playing away, so you're probably not going to hear that much. Although some people will travel down to Atlanta. It's not that far from Atlanta uh, uh, from Charlotte. Travel, like three yeah. and a half hours? Yeah, yeah it's hours. not that far. Um... But they're not showing up for games in Charlotte. They're probably not going to show up for games in Atlanta. I just I mean, that's just a, a couple more wins, that probably will change. Ah. Uh, I hope PJ does really well, but I'm not going to be upset if they bring Baker in just because I want to see if what we're speculating is true or not.
0: Yeah, it, you know, and and listen, to circle back around to Sam Darnold, if you got to include him in this discussion too, right? Like you, you gotta hope that whatever folks saw in Sam Darnold when they drafted him in New York, whatever it was that uh, Fitterer and Rule saw in Sam Darnold when we made the trade for him, that that's still in there. And it's a possibility that that shows out without Matt Rule, again, holding everybody back with his management style. But, You don't want to jump the gun on that too early because, like you said, the last thing you want is Sam Darnold's fine, he's working out, he's practicing, he shows up in the game, and he was 80% and not 100, and he steps on a shoelace the wrong way, and that ankle goes back to 30%. And now whatever opportunity, whatever optimism there was that Darnold takes that next step forward finally uh, would be gone with that injury, I think Wilkes is playing this the right way. You roll out PJ in the hot hand guy. If P.J. goes out there this Saturday or this Sunday against Atlanta, and Atlanta, by the way, that sounded like their 19th defensive back, they're banged up. If P.J. goes out there and he's not getting the job done through the air, you go to the backup, Baker Mayfield. You say, hey, we're taking the blinders off, right? We're letting you go be, ba- go be Baker Mayfield. We're going to run the ball. When we open it up, go be Baker Mayfield. You don't have to worry about Matt Rule or anybody else. And then if Baker can't finish this Sunday at Atlanta, Then maybe next weekend you go Baker to start and put Sam where Baker was and let Baker uh, go out there and give him one more shot before you move to Sam. And hopefully, of those three guys, one of those three guys will find a little bit of comfort without Matt Rule there hamstringing them. And I think that's the way you play it. I think it's the way we are playing it. I think it's a smart way to play it. All
1: right. so But in the end, the best-case scenario – P.J. Walker goes out there and tears it up, and there's no doubt that he needs to be the guy on the field because if he goes out there and he tears it up, he's tearing up Atlanta, and the Panthers will come away with a victory.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. All right, we're going to get into the X's and O's of this Carolina V-Atlanta game here in just a minute. But before we do, one more thing I wanted to point out on the Views for Midstreet Podcast, available where major podcasts are found on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Apple, iTunes, on Google Play, or free on the Odyssey app, is this. We opened this year uh, at plus 6,500 odds to win the division, right? About 650 to 1. Bet a dollar, get six fifty back if we win the division. You know what our odds are right now? Plus fifteen hundred. Plus fifteen hundred. Now, granted, we still have the longest odds in the NFC South. Right? The New Orleans Saints have better odds than we do to win this division. Which, as I've cautioned you by being the pessimistic slash realist of the group, the Saints are an incredibly banged up team, one of the most injured teams in the NFL so far if they get back Landry Thomas etc i think the Saints team is going to get better doesn't mean they're going to be good just means they're going to be better the falcons are now plus 350 the buccaneers are minus 170 they are minus so they are they are 1 to 17 right you got to bet 100 to get a or excuse me bet 170 to get 100 back if you take tampa to win the division Vegas still has faith that Tampa's going to put it together at some point and be the team that preseason we all thought they were going to be. But why? They also have had, uh, same with Atlanta and New Orleans, they have also had an exponentially less impressive jump in the odds than Carolina. Atlanta was if I go back to the beginning of the season I want to say that they were somewhere in the neighborhood of like plus 3000 to win the division they're now down to plus 350 but we went plus 6500 to plus 15 again still three times sorry five times longer odds to win the division than Atlanta a team that if we beat we take the division from uh division lead from on Sunday the point is that There is a combination of things happening here. Number one, Vegas is looking at the division and going, it's really bad. It's not as clear cut as we thought with Tampa Bay, who I think was, I think Tampa was like minus 350, minus 400 to start the year to win the division off the top of my head. Now they're all the way down to bonus 170. But the other side is they're looking at Carolina and go, wait a minute. This team was expected to get blown out by Tampa, swept by Tampa. They just beat Tampa. They got a chance to go on the road. They've already beat New Orleans. They got a chance to go one, two, three, and win three divisional games in a row. Vegas has recognized how much better of a a position, not a team, but a position we're in that we were at the beginning of the season. And my question is. If Vegas recognizes that, the most impartial of all entities Las Vegas when it comes to the betting lines, does that change the way that the front office, the way that the coaching staff attacks the rest of this year?
1: Uh, no. If, if you listen to Steve Wilkes and you believe what he says, they're trying to win. If you believe what the front office says, they're trying to win. If you think they, if you're asking if they're having a different approach, that means you don't believe they were trying to win in the first place or you could, or it's implied. And I, I just, uh, at first I thought the tanking thing was real, but halfway through this last game that totally went out the window, uh, when the defense played the way they did and when they listened or actually looked at, at, at the best thing to do against the Tampa Bay defense. and. They adjusted and they ran the ball. And they won the game. Um, so I don't think the approach changes. If they wanted to tank, they would have found a way to lose. And you can you can find a way to lose subtly. But they weren't trying to do that. They were trying to win. And some could say, well, they put P.J. Walker in there. That's proof. It. But they didn't have a choice. They didn't have another quarterback at the time. They, they have a choice now. You can look at it and think, well, P.J. Walker was the fourth string quarterback. So apparently they want to lose. And I got to admit... If you listen to um, past podcasts, I was thinking that way. And I think I was wrong. I don't think they want to lose. I think they're trying to win. And I think they've at least one game in after this victory, one one game, uh, two games into the, the Steve Wilkes time at the helm, I think they may realize that Carolina Panthers are a great defense and they're running offense. If they stick to that, I think it might be a winning formula for them. Are they going to win all the games? No, but they could actually win this division.
0: They very much could. And again, like we said, this Sunday is big. Uh, I think you've got a lot of external factors we've got to keep an eye on. Like I said, does Tom Brady continue to look terrible? We know that earlier today, we're recording this on Friday. Uh, If you listen to it over the weekend, uh, on Friday, Tom Brady and Giselle finally filed for divorce. I was at a... Uh, I was at a bar for a late lunch on Thursday uh, with a couple of folks, and one of them, t- uh, when we were watching the, the the NFL net, they showed Brady's presser after the game uh, last week against uh, Carolina, and they said, "Is it just me, or does Tom Brady like look terrible? Right? Like, not as a football player, not as a quarterback. Well,
1: he doesn't look. He doesn't look good that he way. not look either. good that yeah, way either. Yeah. But
0: he just look. He looks." He just does not look like a like a like a healthy person right now. And I, you know, again, I'm not a psychologist, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But there's a part of me that goes, I got to think that the off the field life of Tom Brady is definitely having an impact on his mental health and therefore definitely having an impact on his ability to be uh, Tom Brady. There's also the part of that whole thing about, you know. He's 45 years old. At some point, father time wins every fight. He remains undefeated at this point. Uh, But if Brady's the if if the stuff between Brady and Giselle has genuinely been something that is impacting Tom Brady as a quarterback, uh, it is now in the hands of attorneys and and judges. Right. I mean, they've got quite literally billions of dollars worth of, of stuff That they got to go through and divide up and they got kids and all that at some point that is going to hit a point where Brady's like, "Okay, my lawyers, my legal team's taking care of this. I need to just focus on football and maybe the Bucs find their way back. I mentioned the Saints, the Saints and the Falcons, both incredibly banged up teams right now. The Saints uh, have played a majority of the season, missing two or three of their wide receivers every single game. Could they bounce back? Vegas thinks that they absolutely can. The Atlanta Falcons have had so many injuries in their defensive backfield that they went over the past few weeks from middle of the pack to the worst pass defense in the entire National Football League. They have given up more yards through the air than every other team in the NFL. And 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 while they aren't good as it stands... This is injury-related. There's a lot of factors with the other three teams in the division that are going to come into play as this season progresses. But at the end of the day, Lonzo, and pardon me for going cliche, pardon me for going coach-speak on this, we control what we control. And what we control is our games, our roster, etc. cetera. You can't look at Atlanta and be concerned about what they're going to be in Week 10, or, or nine or whatever it is when we face them again, you look at Atlanta and you're worried about what they are this Sunday at one o'clock and what they are this Sunday at one o'clock is a beatable football team.
1: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Look at uh, what is the strength of the Panthers right now? It is the defense without, without a doubt, the defense is a strength. How does the defense match up against the receivers for Atlanta? How does it match up against the running game? More importantly, how does it match up against Mariota? Can you get pressure on him? Can you uh, can you make him make some mistakes, which I do believe you can do? And also, the strength of the Carolina Panthers offense right now is the running game. And do you stick with it again for the second game in a row and use it till it doesn't work again?
0: The Falcons are an interesting team. And let's talk a little bit about them as a team before we get into the X's and O's of this game to wrap up the pod. This is an Atlanta team that is three and four. They are, as of today, in first place in the NFC South by way of the Bucks' loss last night. They have won three football games. Two of them, on paper, look pretty impressive. They did beat the Seattle Seahawks back in week three. They have also defeated the Cleveland Browns. At that point, the Browns, we were like, whoa, Jacoby Brissett may have figured it out. Now, since then, the Browns have tumbled a little bit, but at the time the browns I think were what 3 and 1 to start the season had a little mojo before they 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 started falling apart uh and then they beat the 49ers by two touchdowns which by the way is an impressive win but a lot of people in fact on the show today when i called the fact that the falcons had Three wins, one of them impressive, the other two not so much. Somebody called in there like, wait a minute, Rob. Was the win over Seattle not impressive? Yeah, the Seattle team got smoked by the 49ers. They lost to Atlanta. Uh, They beat the Broncos by one. They beat the Lions by three. They lost... To the Saints. In fact, the only really impressive win they had was this past weekend at the Chargers. The Seattle win was not as impressive as a lot of Atlanta fans are trying to make it sound. The only win that they've had that was impressive was the 49ers. And then remember a Bengals team that the Saints really had up against the wall till late in their game two weeks ago. The Bengals beat the brakes off the Falcons last week. It was in Cincinnati, and those folks are fired up because they've kind of found it a little bit, and this was obviously before we found out that Jamar Chase is going to the IR for a little while. But the Bengals handled the Atlanta Falcons, uh, a Falcons team that, as I mentioned, has given up more yards through the air than any other team in the National Football League so far, and... As we've mentioned, they've lost Terrell. He is out versus the Panthers. We found out he's got a hamstring injury as of right now. The defensive backfield is shredded for Atlanta at this point in time. And I guess this kind of circles back around to the discussion we had to open the pod. So if there is a game where a quarterback for the Panthers can break it open and can put up a career day, it should be this one. The Buccaneers defensive backfield's good. The Saints when healthy is good. Atlanta's when when healthy is average and they ain't healthy right now. I want two things. Number one, Hey Ben McAdoo, still run the football, right? We don't want to change that. That's our identity. Right. right. But I want to tell PJ, stop looking for passes at the line, look down the field, because it's a beatable football team down the field.
1: Oh, it absolutely is. Now the the question is, does PJ have that kind of accuracy? Yeah, he threw some good balls last week. But, you know, you're playing against a defense who knew that you were going to run the ball and it opened some things up. So the only way to get in the same situation, as you just pointed out, run the ball. You run the ball, those things are going to open up. Then we're going to find out, can P.J. be as accurate this week as he was last week? And does he need to throw like 35 times? No. I mean, he can throw 10 times and they can win the game. That's fine as long as they're running the ball. But when you know the team has a weakness and that team knows that they have that weakness uh, can you beat them when they know what you're going to do with it I, I, I feel really positive about this weekend uh, I, I think the matchups are great for Carolina and uh, it still it comes down to what it comes down to the last well the entire season it comes down to will Carolina run the ball and um, when they throw the ball will it be accurate because the defense is going to be there. The defense is going to play tough. The defense, I mean, they were on fire last week. They, they, if they come out playing like that this week, they're going to overwhelm Mariota because Mariota is not Tom Brady. As bad as Tom Brady is uh, right now, Mariota is nowhere near Tom Brady.
0: You're right. Right. Good spot to break right he, yeah, there. Yeah,
1: I know I pointed out the obvious, but, you know, <laughs> it's just all right. I, I, wanted, I felt bad, so I gave Tom Brady a compliment, I guess.
0: For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, let's talk some X's and O's. Let's talk some football here on the Views for Street Podcast. If this is the first time you have stumbled upon the great one Lonzo and myself, Rob Brown, do us a favor. Whatever you're listening to us on, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, I Play, Apple, I, uh, what was it? I, I, I Play, iTunes, iTunes, and Google Play. That's it. I can do this. <laughs> iTunes or Google Play, or free on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. There, there are a lot of places
1: to find the podcast. That's what, yes, what Rob Yeah, just go to say. any podcast yeah. place,
0: search views for Main Street, click the heart icon, follow us and download, uh, please, so that we can keep this thing going in perpetuity. Uh, let's start with this. And this is news that we got yesterday afternoon. Uh, Chuba Hubbard is in a walking boot and looking... Like it may be uh, he may be unavailable for us coming up on Sunday, which would be a loss, right? Because Foreman had a, a phenomenal game last week, but it was started by Chuba Hubbard. In fact, if Hubbard doesn't have that ankle injury last week, that soft tissue injury, there's a good chance Chuba Hubbard is going up over that 100-yard mark and Dante Foreman is going to be around the 60 mark. Foreman came and did an excellent job in that spot, but not having him... Uh, is 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 very, very interesting in the way that it changes the dynamic twofold. Number one, you don't really have the combination that you would like to be able to kind of vary up the offensive style. The second thing is, you know, I, I like Foreman. As anybody who listens to this pod can tell you, I've been calling for Dante Foreman to get more touches since the beginning of the freaking season. And I showed last where he showed last weekend why he is, however... Uh, my power back despite being undersized for a power back he's my power back he's my third and short red zone etc style back and he is going uh, to to be called upon I think quite a bit this week to pick up that slack which is unfortunate but you know there are there are there are worse backs in this spot to have than Dante Foreman. You go back to looking at Tennessee before he came over, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. The concern I have now is Raheem Blackshear as the backup, the the third string turn second string guy who is now going to step in. In the last three games, Raheem Blackshear has two carries for minus five yards at this point. Right. We don't have any experience at running back on the bench behind Deontay Foreman, which is not great, though, for a team that, you know, runs the football as we definitely should.
1: All right. I wanted to double check and Chuba Hubbard is ruled out for the game. So so he is definitely out for the game. Um, Blackshear showed some 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 burst and a little bit of, of things when he's able to carry the ball. He just hasn't carried the ball. And the other, other way to make up for Chuba Hubbard not being there is pop passes, short things like that. Maybe get Shy Smith the ball um, around the edge a little bit. He's got speed. There are some other ways to, uh, to make up for the lack of Chuba Hubbard, but it's definitely a concern. Um, just, I'm not sure Foreman is in every down back, but we may have to find out Sunday.
0: I mean, he frankly, he's got to be. He's got to be. It's not an option. He's got to be. You've got Blackshear to spell. And by the way...
1: You can uh, run P.J. Walker some, too.
0: And you can run... Yeah, six absolutely right. You can run P.J. Walker some, and probably should. There should be some design runs for P.J. Walker. Uh, that being said, Raheem Blackshear, coming out of Virginia Tech is a guy that there was a bit of excitement about, right? A bit of excitement. He had a little energy, a little electricity. He had a handful of 20 plus yard runs before he left uh, Blacksburg to come to Charlotte. I think there is some potential, but it takes time to grow that potential, right? Like it takes a little bit of time to grow that potential to kind of find that stride. Uh, But Blackshear was very good at Virginia tech. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of opportunity. Uh, this is going to be baptism by fire for Raheem Blackshear though. I mean, he is going to get tossed in because as much as I like Dante Foreman, you can't, I I don't think he's a guy that you run 30 times a game, right? Like you're going to give him 24 to 27 carries. You're going to need to give Blackshear seven to 10 carries to, to give Foreman a spell, uh, Especially, you know, if, if we get a spot where and I know I'm kind of making up hypotheticals here, but if if Foreman reels off a big one, as he's certainly capable of doing and he needs a bit of a spell before you get down, you want to be able to save Dante Foreman for if we get into third and shorts or if we get into the red zone on a sustained drive, you're going to have to trust Raheem Blackshear to kind of pick up that slack. But the other thing I'm looking for here, Zoe, is once we get into that rhythm, once we get into that routine, not just utilize P.J. Walker's legs as a weapon as well, but utilize them as a decoy, run almost QB play-action passes to get those backups to the backups, DBs that Atlanta's got out there, get them to press up the field, get them to come up after us, and then utilize the leg-arm combo of P.J. Walker, I would love you. We talked about it last week. Let's see them go for the deep ball. They led off against Tampa with that deep ball who has much deep much better defensive backs than Atlanta does right now. Utilize all of that to make the defense walk up on us to play the line to play the run. And then let's see what PJ can do spinning the rock down the football field.
1: You know, I agree with you there, but uh You know, when McCaffrey was traded away, uh, Coach Wilkes was asked who was going to, which running back was going to fill the void, who was going to step up and be that guy. And he said, we're going to ride the hot hand. So if you put Blackshear Blackshear in there and suddenly he's he's breaking off some big time runs, don't be surprised to see him more uh, so you can keep your third down back as what he is. Um, And all the other things you're talking about are true. But the reason why those lanes were opened up so much, that first play is because no one expected it to happen. But uh, going further into the game is because the running game was working. So you can't go away from that. You've got to try to make that thing work. And um, Steve Wilkes has also said in his press conference, he likes bringing people up from the practice squad. He likes building from within. So uh, if Black Shark, if he takes off, he'll keep handing him the ball.
0: You know, we, we, during the, during the talk around this team leading up to Steve Wilkes taking over and replacing Matt Rule as the head coach, even if on an interim basis, we had a lot of conversation about tanking. We had a lot of conversation about, Uh, You know, do you go out there and try to win knowing you're a four win football team and cost yourself a top three draft pick for pride and all that? And we kicked it around. We went back and forth. And my answer ultimately was like, no, I I would rather have a number one overall draft pick than pride, if that's what you want to call it. Right. That conversation is irrelevant. Now you play to win the division until you can't win the division. What I did say I wanted to see was execution intensity. I wanted to see the offense pick it up and get a little bit closer uh, to to where the defense was, right? The defense had been on the field through week six more than any other defense in the National Football League. And that wasn't the case last week. Part of that was the moves getting made. It was Robbie Anderson. Fine. You don't want to be here? Don't be here. Enjoy Arizona. Uh, Not that Christian McCaffrey didn't want to be there, but... Contract and salary wise, he made more sense as four or five draft picks than he did as a player on an OK team. And what they did was go it, not next man up. I hate the phrase next man up, right? Like I hear them football next man up. It's like, right. If, but if the next man up was that good, he'd just be the man that is up. But it was kind of next man up at those positions. But they took the reins off and all of a sudden you got these guys breaking out it's uh, It's safe to assume that that would be true for the guys in backup rules. You're exactly right. If Blackshear comes out and has himself a day, he might fill in the role that Chuba Hubbard is in right now. Worst case scenario, we got the three-headed monster between three different running backs. There's a reason that Raheem Blackshear is the, well, was the fourth string running back on this team. There's a reason he's the third string running back on the team. And there's a reason that with Chuba Hubbard out, he's the second string running back on this team. But... This is what I was saying back during the period of time we were talking about tanking. Wins now, short, it matters. Let's do it. Let's go get the division. That's all well and good. I am looking for guys and still am looking for guys because, again, we are dead last in Vegas in terms of odds to win this division, even though we're playing for its lead on Sunday. What I am looking for is, and remains... I want to see the guys that are going to go out there, that are going to execute, that are going to have intensity, and that are going to prove that they want to be here for the next era of this football team starting next year with whoever is at the head coaching realm, whether it is Steve Wilkes or anybody else. Raheem Blackshear's got a chance to be that guy, but DJ showed it out last week that he does, right? PJ showed last week that he does. The entire offensive line is showing that they do. Defensively, there was never really a question about the majority of these guys. At this point, it's just a matter of whose contracts would it befit us the most To move off the book, Shaq is probably next, but we will see. Uh, I'm looking for that execution, and that execution is very specific this week. It is, can we run the ball enough to open up the pass? Can P.J. open himself up enough to open up the pass? And when we do open up to the pass, do we have some guys that can step in behind D.J. Moore? A guy that we talked about earlier this week on the pod that I think could have an opportunity to really dress himself up a little bit, Lonzo, there's not a better situation for Terrace Marshall Jr. to step up and put some numbers down on the stat sheet than this week against a busted-up Atlanta defense that we should run, 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 go deep, Paul. This would be a great week for TMJ to show out.
1: See, the problem with that, and and we heard rumors all week that he was po- possibly one of the next guys to go if they the were way, to trade get rid of someone. By the way, trade deadlines one day, still yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, so there is a possibility. Um, but all you hear every week from the coaching staff and, and elsewhere, this is his chance to prove himself. This is his chance to prove himself. This is his chance to prove himself. And he hasn't done it yet. doesn't mean he can't, but if you have to have an opportunity to prove yourself, that means you haven't in practice. You haven't proved uh, your value enough to get you on the field more, which he hasn't done. I hope he does well because if he does well, the Panthers do well. Also, I want to disagree with you on, on one thing about next man up I think there are a couple positions in football that next man up is just next man up I think uh defensive line when it comes to a rotation because those guys rotate through so people don't get tired so you constantly have guys coming in and out and in some cases there are no starters it's just whoever they put in that week and I think running back is another one of those um How many times have we seen a third or fourth string running back get on the field and tear it up because it's their first chance to get on the field? And it is a matter of maybe the the guys in front of them have more experience and in some cases more talent. But a lot of times you get in a situation like what we're about to have where that running back finally gets on the field. There's a reason why they got drafted or there's a reason why they're on the team. Maybe it's just because of special teams, but more than likely it's because they did really well at the position that they're in in college. And it isn't like they go in and go, this is the first time I've ever played this position. They've been playing that position all their life. And I think running backs, because they've been devalued, means you can have three or four of them. You get your exceptional running backs like a Christian McCaffrey, like uh, Kamara, like like uh, Tennessee Titans with uh, Derrick Henry. There, there are some guys that stand out. But for the most part, there are a lot of teams that you look – you may know their quarterback, but you have no idea who their running back is.
0: All right. With that being said, let's go on the record. Let's make some predictions here. As we mentioned, the Carolina Panthers, four-point underdogs on the road – At Atlanta, they are plus 175 on the money line, over-under in this game. Vegas expecting a low-scoring one, over-under set at 41.5 points on the over-under. We are on the road, Lonzo. Uh, Give me a pick. Give me some thoughts. All right, so, I I
1: mean, we don't always pick the Panthers to win. Some of us rarely pick the Panthers to win, Uh, with good reason, because they've only won Twice, but this is for first place. They know it's for first place. They understand that. Uh, they're not intimidated by the other people in the NFC South because um, they shouldn't be intimidated by the other people in the NFC South. If you're going to be intimidated by anybody, it would have been Brady and the Bucks and they took care of them last week. Uh so, I think the Panthers, if they play the game they played last week, they're going to win this game. I think they're going to cover everything they need to cover. And I'm going to go, I don't know, uh, let's go 24 14 Panthers.
0: 24 14 Panthers. I, uh, man, I, I listen. This is one of those head heart games for me, right? And that my head says one, my heart says the other. Like, I am optimistic about this game. This game's a winnable game for the Carolina Panthers. Atlanta's dinged up on defense. Atlanta offensively at the wide receiver position is not what they've been in years past. There's a reason Marcus Mariota is finishing games with less than 200 yards more than he's not. Right? I think he's got two 200-yard games, two multiple touchdown games, and that's it so far out of eight. Uh, you stop the run against Atlanta, you win the football game. And how many teams are more equipped to stop the run than we are? On the flip side of the football, Atlanta's got a very good front seven. So do we. Very good front seven. If we have both running backs, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable here. I am super happy for P.J. Walker. I'm super happy that P.J. Walker had his game, got to take out. Brady has get has gotten uh, his second consecutive start. I am happy about all of these things for P.J. Walker. At the end of the day, P.J. Walker is P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker is a four-string quarterback for a reason. I don't think Matt Rule got it so wrong, right? I think he's playing better. That's fantastic. But let's not pretend we're not starting our fourth-string quarterback in this game. My heart says it's a very uh, very winnable game. My heart says it is a game that we frankly should go on the road and be able to win. But the numbers say otherwise. In the last nine games, we have won two. Good news, both of those games that we've won out of the last nine were away games. The good news is, of the seven we lost, Matt Rule was in charge for almost all of them. That is gone. We're not hampered by that anymore. I am taking Atlanta in this one. It'll be very close. I could absolutely see this being a 24-21 game. I don't think we're scoring in the 20s, though. I think this is going to be a game that Atlanta wins probably something like 2015, 2014, somewhere in that frame. I hope the offense opens up. If we had the full complement of running backs, I feel a little bit better. Reem Blackshear might prove himself to me, and I will be happy to slice dice and eat that crow on Monday. But I got to go Atlanta in this one. I think that with the division on the line, as much as it means to us, like you said a second ago, they're doing the same thing, right? That's not special. Oh, Carolina knows the division's on the line. Well, so does Atlanta, right? And an Atlanta team that's also been told, you guys won't be anywhere near the division. And Atlanta that has already been told, you guys are are, are a joke this year. Heck, by me, at the beginning of the year, they are also playing for division elite. There's no emotion that we have that they don't in this one. And I think when you take that off the table, uh, Atlanta's just a slightly better football team right now. So I'm going to go Falcons in this one. I don't like it. It feels dirty. It feels gross. I can't stand a dirty bird, y'all. But I think numerically, they're just a slightly better football team. Zoe, any words for the people before we get out of here?
1: Hey, uh, Falcons people, and I'm going to include Robin this today because ah, ah, to you just picked him to win. do just picked uh to Don't you put that voodoo on me, Ricky Bobby. He just picked him to win. The Panthers are not a get-right team. You're going down.
0: All right, so there we go. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The next episode of the Views for Ministry Street podcast will be dropped on Monday, where we will re-evaluate this game. And on Monday, we will either be winning this division or a half game back. We'll have some conversation. excuse me, a game back. It doesn't matter. Who cares? We'll be in first on Monday. All right? He's Lonzo Reitzel. My name is Rob Brown. The views from Edge Street Podcast. Make sure you are liked and subscribed wherever major podcasts are found. We will be back on Monday with our reaction pod. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game, everybody. And we will see you then. Keep pounding, baby.